Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. To Henry. Quick snap. Breeze. Pass is incomplete. No flag for Tommy Lee Lewis. Got him. Ladies and gentlemen, we just got done with pretty much the most exciting part of the offseason. So all we have left to do is pick and choose some highlights from camp and hope for the best until the season actually starts. So uh, it's it's an uphill battle from here. But apparently with how the offseason has been going now, the drama hasn't stopped. And even though we're done with the draft, it still has yet to slow down because huge news out of the desert and I guess we can't be too surprised after that amazing Hail Mary catch. The writing was on the wall, apparently. There goes that Jordan contract. But, Alex, how are you feeling after the 2022 NFL draft? Man, I feel like this year's draft was was kind of everyone's worst nightmare where all the quarterbacks fell to the, the third and fifth and sixth round. And, I mean, everyone was making trades in the first round. But it seemed like – that, you know, you didn't have the Chiefs get a big receiver. You didn't have the Packers go get their big first-round receiver. And you didn't have, you know, big, massive trades besides the A.J. Brown we had. Mm-hmm. So I, I think overall that this is going to be one of those meat and potatoes drafts where you see a lot of linemen, a lot of D-linemen, a lot of corners, a lot of good, you know, safeties come out of it. But this is not going to be the uh, the draft where you get the offensive flash like you do with um, the receiver class that has made a couple mm-hmm. of uh, – of, of, News news stories in the last couple of couple of weeks here with the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel class. I don't, you know, I don't think um, we're going to have a bunch of impact offensive players like we did in that draft. But uh, this is definitely going to be a, a situation where you know teams like the the Ravens and the Jets that had a bunch of of really good um, shout out to the Jets. Just a great first round for them. I mean, wow. there's talk about Jermaine Johnson going number four overall to them, and they went. In, Got them in 26. It's pretty mm-hmm. great. Good for them. Good for the Jets for one second. Uh, I, so, uh, of course, a couple of things we're going to talk about is the Jets, and we're actually going to talk about them in a the positive light. So, for one thing, I am shocked. Um, so, can, shout out to you guys, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 because there's positivity coming from that franchise, and it feels like we haven't really had that since the Mark Sanchez days when they were somehow making to the AFC Championship game. Let's not talk about those years because they literally don't make any sense to me. Rex uh, Ryan, but... baby. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Jeez, Rex freaking Ryan. Rex Ryan and the in the Blitz Doctor. Oh, I, I mean, don't even... it's... Oh, boy. You're bringing up horrible stuff, Alex. You know, Rex Ryan, wasn't his wife the one with like a joe like a joe flacco jersey tattooed on her or something or no no it's rex ryan with his wife tattooed with the joe flacco jersey on her wasn't that what it was hold on that is a, a story that is completely ringing absolutely no bells in my book are I, you serious is there some story with i could joe have flacco, sworn rex there was or i i could have sworn there was a tattoo somewhere what? there was something um about this uh it happened a while ago yes rex ryan has a tattoo on his right arm with his wife and just a Mark Sanchez number six jersey. <laughs> that's incredible. That's, I mean, that's dedication to a guy that uh, that was probably that the highlight of Mark Sanchez's career right there. And yes, I don't think that tattoo looks like his wife. Uh, oh, that's so trashy. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, you don't have to look back at it, Ross. You could just close out the tab. That's I'm, fine, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> a good idea. Really good idea. <laughs> so we got that. Um, there also some drama coming out of Arizona and just the MC Western Journal because the Niners do not trade Debo Samuel and the Cardinals are about to miss a key piece of their team for a third of the season. Ooh. <laughs> are they going to trade them? That's that's the question. That is the question. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill says some I guess what people want to try to say con- uh, controversial statements, but he's 100% right about this thing. But before we get into all that fun stuff, an ad. Right, three, two. 
Now go ahead and make sure to head over to booksforathletes.com because honestly, writing a book is not nearly as hard as you think it is. And this guy makes it that much easier to get it published. Also, to get a little bit of money rolling to you. And speaking about money, go check him out so I can get some more for this show. <laughs> but we're going to get into these first things first, just general feeling of the draft. Um, Alex, what do you think? Because when I was going through this, I was thinking, not like you were kind of going through, not a lot of like big draft picks, but there's a lot of good stuff. You saw tackles in interior offensive linemen going everywhere in this one. So I honestly is linemen. I love seeing all those guys go top 10, top 20. And maybe, yeah, good for, good for you guys. There are some reaches in this one. And there are some teams that maybe were a little disappointment uh, when, when it comes to trades, um, I think the first round in the second round had like some of the most trades in NFL history when it comes to the draft. Um, you know, Hollywood Brown going to Arizona. I thought that was just another great move by the Ravens. Not so much about the Cardinals. That trade will play into a little bit something we'll talk about later. Um, and obviously the Jets knocked out of the park with, or sorry, the Eagles knocked out of the park with that A.J. Brown trade. And that pretty much was the draft for the Eagles. So what do you think, uh, especially from day one? Yeah, you know, I think um, the story of day one was was definitely just, you know, the big, big offensive linemen and the big, big edge rushers were the story of the draft going into it. People thought that, you know, quarterbacks were not going to be a big, big story of this draft, but there was – um, you know, not that one elite, elite Jadavion Clowney type edge rusher that was, you know, Miles Garrett type mm -hmm. where it's a number one no brainer, but you had a lot of a very, very solid impact players that you can project as, you know, eight to 10 year starters and they're going to make an impact day one guys like Evan Neal guys like Ike Aquanu, um, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, all these guys that are just you, you plug them into a system and they're going to produce mm -hmm. year one, week one and there was a ton of those guys in this draft. And then you had the, the really elite corner, Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley. I think you saw hey, – Real quick, are we going to talk about how his chain actually has sauce in it? Drip drip on it. It was it – was, Okay, he Alex, was, here, here's my question. If you had a sauce chain, what sauce are you holding with you no matter where you go? One mm. sauce. rest of your life. What are you holding in that bottle? I think I think ranch is the most versatile. Ranch, and you're going with, ranch? but it's it's gotta it's gotta be uh, it's it's gotta be Wingstop Ranch. It's gotta be like the specific ranch that you get at restaurants. Not yeah, it's not like like Valley. legit pizza like pizza restaurant yeah, ranch. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly like what that. you're talking about. It's Hidden Valley doesn't hold a dime no. to, to that. It's I don't know what I can't even name what it is. What's different about it? It's just. Better. Just significantly better. Just significantly better. Yeah, it's. it's not I don't a know small what they, margin. I I think it's it, maybe it's the cups they put them into. It's the single it's serve the action because I I have noticed this is the those, environment the ranch is raised in. You know the the ranch that you you put in those little cups. Those things go bad quicker than I've ever seen anything else go bad in a fridge. So maybe that's what it is. It's just you, you know you have a, a twenty four hour forty eight hour window of this really really incredible ranch, and then it's just. Too good to be true after that. Let's see. We got all this store ranch that's bottled up. It's kept in these tiny compact cages and it can't breathe. It can't live. Mm -hmm. But we got this free range restaurant ranch that's just yeah. significantly better, I think. Yeah. It's got, it's got a short shelf life, though. I'll tell you that much. You know, it's worth it. You know, if I, for my choice, I think it's definitely the Idahoan in me, but fry <laughs> sauce. Fry sauce everywhere. Wow. Fry, I, dude, I, have you had a good fry sauce? Uh, is that like like a Chick-fil-A sauce kind of thing? It's kind of like Thousand Island with a little bit extra. Yeah, I feel like that's uh yeah, like 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 in and out special sauce that you're talking about. It's yes, it's very similar to that. Mm. But for me, mm. at least I, I like homemade fry sauce because I'm fancy like that. So mm. I just add I have a little bit more kick in my fry sauce. Yeah, you put hot sauce in there. Every um actually it comes with the um, uh I like doing with chili powder. That's where my, some of my spice comes from. And a little bit of a jalapeno in there as well. You know what I mean? You, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm not all the way there with you on the fry seasoning or on the fry sauce. You want Alex, I will change your, I'll I'll change your mind. You come up to Idaho. I will make you some bitchin' French fries. And right, I'll I make like you that. some fry sauce. And we're going to have a grand old time. How about that? I like this. I like also, this a lot. 
Yes, and before we get uh, too much more off topic, let me know what you guys think. If you had that sauce chain, drop in the comments or hit us up on socials. What sauce are you carrying with you 24-7? I'm sure there's a lot of opinions out there. Uh, but if you say something like relish, if that even counts as a sauce. No. Stop. That's like a dress. That's like a, a that's like a something. You don't call it a dressing as in like it's dressing. It's a dressing as in that's that's what you dress up. Uh, like a, a shitty hot dog with, you know, <laughs> uh, that that's, I make a hot dog worse. I am not playing around. Um, I'm sure those pickle fans out there will not be happy with that take, but so be it. That's probably not going to be my worst one. But when we get into the, the draft itself, what team stand out to you the most that, that just absolutely knocked it out of the park? Um, I, there's, there's one team that stands out and it's not for the traditional reason. I, I think that a lot of people are looking at it. Um, the, the Lions had an incredible draft. Yes. The Lions did yes. really, really well. And it's, it's not who they drafted. It's also who they didn't draft. And I think the biggest component of, of what went into their draft decision this year was, is Jared Goff the answer? Obviously not. He's not a good quarterback. He is, um, is Jared you know, future? Hell he's, no. he's average to below average as far as the starters go right now. And yep. so I think what they did was they looked at their team and they said, okay, we have been this middling team for so freaking long. Uh, you know, we haven't been relevant since we went 0-16, and, and that was the biggest storyline. Mm-hmm. We don't have the quarterback. We know every single successful franchise has that quarterback that they can pin their hat on. Um, you know, we tried to do that with Matt Stafford. It got us to the playoffs a couple of times, but obviously that's, you know, that ship has sailed. And so I think they looked at this year's draft crop of quarterbacks and thought to themselves, you know, we could come back and we could – try to invest uh, the 32nd round pick mm-hmm. or something like that into Matt Corral or to, you know, you saw people mocking Desmond Ritter to them at the end of the first early second round. But um, I think they just did an incredible job of setting up their team for long-term success with adding an impact, impact player in Aiden Hutchinson, who can, you can obviously put on all the billboards. Now you can put them on all of the season ticket, uh, flyers that come out he is the detroit boy the homegrown ann arbor kid that is going to stay or oh, that's going to sell tickets that's, that's going to a lot of tickets and and, and what they what else they did is obviously they didn't draft that quarterback but they drafted a guy jameson williams that the next quarterback that comes in potentially the the first or second pick next year cj stroud or, or bryce young those two guys are franchise chasing changing quarterbacks and Jamison Williams is a franchise-changing wide receiver. When you can pair those two together, if they, as their team stands right now, they're not going to be good next year. They're going to be in the bottom five again next year. Um, I think they'll be competing with. I think they're going to be competing with the Chicago Bears in their own division for one of the worst teams in the league. Oh, but Chicago, um, we'll get Chicago in a freaking second. Yeah, but but that's just they set themselves up to put the next quarterback of the future in a successful position from day one. And I think if they drafted a quarterback this year, that quarterback would have come into a position where they are not ready to succeed. They are not ready to um, make an impact and make a winning impact. And, and so I think by not drafting a quarterback this year and setting themselves up for, you know, a bad 2022 mm-hmm. and get yourself in that position to get a, a franchise changing quarterback next year is, is a, is a really big win for them. You know, I think, I was, you know, when we were watching, when I was watching the draft, you know, it got to a point, it's like that end of third, start of fourth, where it looked like they might actually be going for Malik Willis. I kind of had a feeling there, but then the Titans, I think it's about five picks ahead of the, of the Lions take Malik Willis instead. So obviously that's going to take me out of the picture. And I think as soon as Malik Willis went off the board, um, that was kind of solidifying that the Lions are not going to be taking quarterback, but say that the Titans pass on them. There wasn't really another team that would be taking a quarterback. Would the Lions have taken Malik Wills at that end of third, start of fourth, um, if he was still on the board? You know, I, I think at multiple positions, the Lions proved themselves to um, have an opportunity to draft Malik Willis and not do it. And so mm-hmm. I think, if it got to that third, fourth round. But if round, he gets to the fourth round, if Malik Willis is on the board at fourth, the Lions need a quarterback. You know, I just, again, I, I just. I, bad pick. I, I don't think it's a bad pick, but I think it's a pick where you now have to invest time and it, it, you just take yourself away from, 
if you don't think if you don't think Malik Willis is the guy going into it, mm-hmm. taking him in the fourth round and just kind of throwing him in the mix and seeing what happens, I don't think is the best mm. avenue for for Malik Willis. I don't think Malik Willis is going to be in a successful situation if he's just um, you know in that third fourth third fourth round and going to compete for the starting job. I, I think and, you know we'll bring this up later, but um, Malik Willis would have benefited the most from going to a position, you know where they had an established quarterback where he could learn for a year and, you know, maybe that quarterback is in a transition period and then he can step in the role the next year. You know, I know people are saying Jared Goff, that's the situation, but no, Malik Willis is clearly not the franchise changing quarterback. So going to a team like the Titans where they have infrastructure around him, um, I think it's going to, that's the only spot that makes success or that made sense for Malik Willis's success and putting him in Detroit just doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. And one thing I will tell you is that, I said, um, uh, while I was actually live, shout out to the boys over at Review and Preview. They run a great show there. Um, I was um, honored to be uh, brought on for the live stream for um, a little bit of time, about a half hour, their their draft there. So that was a blast. But what I said there is something I'll get into a little bit later when we talk about Ryan Tannehill, and that is Malik Willis ended up in just about the best position possible from him through this draft that that kind of was out there. So I'll give you guys a little bit more into that when we get there. But I just want to say, you know, the three teams, I would say that if you knocked out of the park, it's the Lions, it's the Jets, it's the Ravens. The Ravens had another great draft. They had – talk about the Ravens in the first round, Alex. Last year, they get Patrick Queen in the 26 overall. Now this year, they're doing some more crazy stuff with their, with their drafting. And they just come out this looking like geniuses again. And it's almost like Jim Harbaugh, or excuse me, John Harbaugh, um, who plays a big role in what they do in the front in the front office, he might not get enough credit. Well, I don't think he gets enough credit as a coach or even just a front office guy in general. This guy consistently is great, not only getting Kyle Hamilton who is a great pick. They get to fall out of the, the top 10. They're able to sank him up. But also in that same round, be able to pick up Tyler uh, Linderbaum from Iowa, who's a big, nasty up front. I think that's a tremendous help, especially after seeing the injury troubles that we're worrying about with Lamar Jackson late last season. You want to do something better? You, you get a big, strong, athletic center to, to sure up the inside of that pocket where he doesn't always stay. But it definitely is a big help. That was a bang out first round. Yeah, and I think it's I'm I'm been trying to figure out is it a chicken or the egg kind of thing when you have these these teams like the Patriots and like the Ravens that just seem every single year to do smart football things and find people in the draft where where there's a lot of value. And so mm-hmm. is it one of those situations where we see the Ravens draft? Kyle Hamilton and draft Tyler Linderbaum in the first round. And we're like, Oh my gosh, how did the Ravens get these players? Or is it uh, the Ravens drafted these players? Oh my gosh, what a value, what a steal because it's the Ravens drafting these players. And so Hmm. um, I I think, you know, for this specific situations, it's more, I don't know how the Ravens came away with the best safety on the board and the best interior offensive lineman on the board in the first round. And we're still managing to, to trade back and get more value in this situation. Um, it was very impressive how they came out of that first round. I know Lamar Jackson came out with those, those tweets, you know, upset about Hollywood Brown, but I think once he realizes that Linderbaum's going to be a center for the next 10 years, he's, he's going to be okay with losing a, a speedster who can't catch the ball. <laughs> you know what? That, that was way too accurate. I mean, there's some reports that broke out after this trade that they were already talking about, you know, Hollywood Brown was almost wanting to be traded anyway. So that was just kind of, unnecessary i guess anger yeah it's not really going to solve a whole lot there but you mean you bring up the patriots let's talk about the opposite end of the spectrum because i believe the patriots not only had one of the most confusing drafts of this year but also one of the most confusing patriots draft of like the last decade because typically like you're alluding to bill belichick is great in the draft um I guess they're probably going to work out because that's what happens with New England. But at least on paper, you know, you're taking Cole Strange, a hard reach in the first round. Then you take uh, Tyquan Thornton, hard reach in the second round at 50th overall. Like, they got good players, but also they they were reaching. They were reaching all night. And so, I don't know. Am, am, 
are you kind of in the same boat? You know, it's uh, trying to understand what the the Patriots are doing in the draft. Just on the front end is never uh, a situation where you're probably going to come out with an answer. Um, it just, <laughs> it doesn't make any our sense. understanding. It, it really is. And it's, you know, you, you look back and when the Patriots drafted Logan Mankins, where they did, everyone was looking at him, you know, like exactly how they're looking at Cole Strange and everyone, um, you know, looking back on it would have done the exact same thing. So we'll never know with these guys, but I think just, just from a, a pure value standpoint, I don't understand how some of these teams can realistically take a guy with a third, fourth round draft grade in most front offices and reach for him in the first round. If it's a quarterback or a mm -hmm. situation where you or a left tackle or something like that, where you really benefit from that. See, I don't even think he was the best player in his position left at that point either necessarily as well. I mean, it was, like Tyra Linderbaum got got drafted right before him so he wasn't the best center on the board but I mean yeah there was a there was he was in a group of guys that could have been drafted in the next three rounds and all could have been interchangeable there wasn't that next big interior guard or interior center that blew everyone up in the, the combine or did all this stuff it was he, uh, he may very well end up being a great player for the New England Patriots for a long long time but from a pure value standpoint, I don't understand how you can realistically not think you can trade back down to a team that's trying to get back into the first and pick him at the you know early second, mid-second, if you were really, really set on taking Cole Strange. I just mm -hmm. don't understand the value point of 29. But um, you know, one thing that I think that the Patriots realized they needed is they were getting beat so much last year with speed. Nowhere on the offense had an explosive – they did not have an explosive player on offense no. last year. I mean, you, you look at guys like the Keel Harry Jones and guys like Jacoby. When he, get, when he started running. No, exactly. And so, <laughs> and even guys like James White is on the, the, the outs. And Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are those big, bulky, running, you know, uh, just, just big pounding backs. And so that's mm -hmm. why you saw them have a lot of success in the big win games and in the, the defensive battles and those cold games in December and January. But – you know, they just did not have the team speed to be able to keep up with the Cowboys of the world um, and the Bills in the world when they were actually playing in, a, in, you know, conditions where they could throw the ball. So I think adding those two extremely athletic corners in the, the second and third round, and they took the fastest player at the combine, Tyquan Thornton, who admittedly shot up draft boards, draft boards right after the combine, after mm -hmm. running that, uh, a sub, I don't know what it was. I mean, yeah, I think, is the 40 yard, um, is a 40 yard dash. The, I guess the most pivotal, uh, combine drill when it comes to increasing or decreasing draft stock. I, I honestly think it's, it's gotta be like the biggest driver or quarterback hand size. I mean, if a, quarter, <laughs> quarterback, if a quarterback hand hands size, comes man. in under nine oh. or a receiver runs under a four, three, four, that's those are two massive drivers. They could have been the best player in college, but if you don't have the the I I talked about this when the combine was going on. I hate the combine, dude. I freaking hate <laughs> it. It's so stupid. But but the thing is though is that's that's where you have you know people get these massive jumps and and people get these massive stretches yeah. and where I mean you remember Don Terry Poe from a couple years ago where he <laughs> went to the. I mean, he was he was a fourth, fifth round draft grade guy, and he went to the combine and ran a, a four seven or a four eight as a, or I don't know, I don't know what he was. It was some crazy, some crazy number as a mm -hmm. three hundred and eighty pound lineman, and he shot up in the first round. You know, take a look at him now. It's it's crazy. Let's see. Oh, you can you can have such an impact where you have four years of data on this guy, and then he goes to the combine and runs in shorts for for forty five minutes, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. he's a first round draft pick. That's crazy to me, but. Um, you know, that's where you get these, uh, these, these massive draft reaches and, um, you know, hopefully it's, hopefully they end up being, uh, more on the, the, the Logan Mankin side, but you, you know, I'm not happen. hating on the players who draft stock, you know, goes up on this because I mean, good for you guys. You're playing the yeah. system the way you should be. It's on the teams for look at the film. They're doing it to themselves though. So. Look at the film, Alex. Yeah. It's the film is there for a reason. And I, I think that's that's the problem with the first overall draft pick, too, is you look at the film and you see a guy that, you know, you can argue is is maybe playing out of position in Trevon Walker. But I don't know. You, you just you see 
a guy that does not have the impact that a number one overall pick made. And, and That's why I thought that, Hutchinson should have been a lock. You know, we were talking about this pre-draft. I still – it's not like the Jags got a bad player, but also the Jags did not have a great draft They yeah. for the second year in a row. And they drafted – I wholeheartedly believe they drafted the wrong guy first overall. 100%. I wasn't shocked by the pick. I absolutely wasn't surprised when they announced Trayvon Walker, but it should have been Adrian, uh, Adrian Hutchinson. But good for him because he gets to go to a franchise with more hope. You know, I actually, I actually hot take think that Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be the best player out of this draft. And he was, I think he was the most talented. Dude, and the Giants getting him and um, Neil. Evan Neal, that was a crazy, Ooh. crazy draft. And that's, Ooh, for that's, one of, that's one of those drafts, if you're a New York Giants fan, where you come out of, you know, you come out on Monday and Tuesday and you're talking to your guys at the water cooler and you just talk about, you know, man. It's it's the the trenches is where we're gonna win. We just gotta build up those uh build up the offensive defensive line. That's how we won all of our championships, you know. But but it's true. That's how you did win all your championships when you were beating the Patriots as a six seed. Is you had a crazy crazy four down pass rush and you Do had you a great offensive the, line. The Giants aired out the ball and extended the field against the Patriots when they beat them in the Super Bowl twice. No. Besides one play that was a miraculous helmet catch. No. No, and, and, and you even saw that on, on that play. David Tyree was blanket covered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were not getting any separation. But the Giants were good at smash mouth football, and I hope that's the way they're going because if they beef up this offense line, who even cares who your quarterback is when you got beefy old line in front of you and you got um say uh and you got Saquon Barkley running the football. Yeah, I mean it's 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 set up to a point where you come out of the draft and you don't have Daniel Jones at number six. You have a guy that's actually good at left tackle and defensive end. Uh, this this would York, have been the shout to the New York fans. They actually had the good time on draft night. This would have been this would have been the draft, and the Giants would have been the team to come out and draft Malik Willis at number five overall, and everyone would have just absolutely loved it. <laughs> I hate that it's true. It. it I'm surprised it didn't happen. It's it's the new ownership. If Dave Gettleman was there, of course that's what they're doing. Oh, freaking Dave Gettleman, dude! That it's it's new era for them, and I kind of hope so because they've gone through enough suffering. And I will never hate on the Giants because they're the ones that prevented Tom Brady from winning two more Super Bowls. So hey, you guys are great. You're a hero to the league. Eli yeah, the Manning, Giants Hall of Famer just because of that. And it turns out that the Giants uh, only stopped, slowed him down a little bit. Didn't didn't actually put up a fence and stop him. You know what? At least it's two less. <laughs> it's two less. It's two less. It, it's, it's two. It's two less than his end his end result because they're he's still counting. No, he's, <laughs> apparently he if he if uh, that goes through what he told his wife he's going for another one and then he'll retire. Mm-hmm. No, that's what he that's what he'll keep telling her. Hey, just mm-hmm. one more, just, just one, one more. more. <laughs> I swear I'm not addicted. <laughs> Oh, oh man speaking about being addicted let's talk about a team that's addicted to failure because you got a team with a young quarterback who you drafted last year that you totally screwed over not just from a personnel standpoint but also from a horrible horrible head coach standpoint you move on from him but it still feels like the same team because i don't necessarily think that bears anything drastic to build around Justin Fields, a quarterback who desperately needs to be built around. Otherwise, I, I am worried already in to none of Justin Fields' well, mostly none of Justin Fields' own fault. It feels like um it feels like he's going to end up as a bust, and that's that's just the you know team's fault. Yeah, it, it that's that's a place where I'm worried about Justin Fields, not the player. I'm worried about Justin Fields, the situation and it's it's not looking good for him still you know it's you didn't really you didn't really help him at all you got a couple of linemen you got a wide receiver but there wasn't really your first two picks in in so they don't even get first round picks but you have two picks in the second round both to the defense here, which is a bad the, spot but your whole team's a bad spot and and this is a team that you know, traded Khalil Mack in the offseason and Allen Robinson is mm-hmm. nowhere to be found. And it's it's a team that doesn't have an identity, A, and B is you have a young quarterback and the time is ticking on co- young quarterback on rookie contract. Mm-hmm. And I think they 
severely, severely missed in a getting him. He needs a weapon. He needs weapons on the outside. I think that was a perfect team. He needs to, offensive line of weapons. Needs offensive line and weapons. And he needs a new offense. He needs ten other people. He needs a lot, man. He needs a <laughs> lot. And I'm honest. I'm worried about Justin Fields. I cannot see them being good next year. No. And he just doesn't seem. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy like like the Justin Herberts and the Joe Burrows. And, and I, I really think that we got spoiled in that draft class where, you know, those guys came in and Lamar Jackson's of the world, they came in and made instant impacts and were very, very good year one, regardless of the mm-hmm. team around them. And, you know, you look at the situations that Joe Burrow went into, the Bengals were horrible. And just two years after he took them to the Super Bowl. And I just don't see yep. that kind of, I don't see that kind of impact Justin Fields can make. Um, but if he shows us that, you know, he can take this team, it doesn't need to be impressive. He can go five and 12 and six and 11 this year and still be everything that a franchise quarterback needs to be. Um, if they're losing close games, if they're putting up points, if he's showing leadership qualities, if, um, you know, they're in a lot of games, but just can't close the door because that defense is so bad. I think Mm -hmm. there's room to be optimistic about Justin Fields and about this team moving forward, but, um, there's, there's just a lot of holes they need to fill on that that whole team, and I don't think that um, they addressed what they should have addressed this draft. I think they should have been just trading down, trading, just getting accumulating picks, accumulating players, and accumulating talent around Justin Fields that you are just desperately lacking right now. Yeah, uh, poor Justin. He doesn't deserve this. And what's what I'm worried about, he's going to end up like, you know, the thing that's happened time and time again is there is a bad team that drafts a a good, talented, young quarterback, and then they do nothing to build around him. Nothing comes from their career, and then they replace after three years. Yeah, I mean that's that that's that's the issue right now is is he needs he needs to actively get himself out of this position of middling quarterback on a middling team he needs, to, needs to get him traded is what needs to happen <laughs> he's getting traded but like but how do you explain joe burrow's rise and how do you explain justin fields taking a bad chargers team to to relevancy you know it's it's these guys these quarterbacks where you draft them in the in the top 10 15 picks where i think well, look in, at those two quarterbacks look at the team around them but look at the team around them when they came in there the Bengals were horrible when exactly but look there. they actually built around their quarterback Big surprise, Alex. Wow, it's almost like that's what you're supposed to do. I, I, I hear you. I, I, I understand what you're trying to say. But I really think the issue is, is Justin Field didn't show any flashes last year to warrant them going all in and making a, a winning move this year. I mm. think their, their move is to be bad again this year. You know, you, you don't see tanking a ton in the NFL. No, no. The, no. the Bears are not good. They are horrible. There's no... There's no avenue for them. To I don't compete. think there's a redeeming quality about the Bears. Besides potentially Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is a good young quarterback. Mm-hmm. But what you need to do is you need to, you need to, um, I don't know. I don't know what they do. They, they are, honestly, they're screwed. I think that the only thing they Give could up, have done. Sell the team, move to a new stadium. <sighs> I mean, it's, the, the problem is the Bears are such a storied franchise and they, they, they seem like they they have a quarterback that they want to hang their hat on, but their team is so bad around him. I think this quarterback's just going to end up falling flat in his face because that's just that's just the, the surroundings around him are just so bad, not supportive at all. Poor poor Justin Fields. But uh, um, before I hop to the next thing, just uh, let us know your thoughts. Are who do you think which team won the draft or is a fan of your whatever team you are? Are you happy with them? What could have been done better? And then who just absolutely crapped the bed and did nothing good? And uh, also, how bad do you feel for Justin Fields? Tough, 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 tough day, Justin Fields. Not good. Now we're going to finish things off with a little bit of drama. And not just a little bit. We got a lot of it because not only did we have the draft, you got to take a look at what happens because of the draft. This is the draft fallout. And I think one of the biggest things, one of the biggest talking points over the last few weeks, and it's definitely not going away, especially because we didn't get any sort of resolution from the draft like a lot of people thought we would. Devo Samuel is still on the San Francisco 49ers. And Alex, I got to hear your thoughts on this one because we kind of talked it through where 
obviously it, it's it, there's pros and cons to either move of trading him away or keeping him and it's for the right price the Niners got some good offers from the Jets I think from a other a couple other teams as well like a first and third they didn't budge so it almost sounded like like I got to the point at least myself where I was like cool if they trade him that's good if they hold on to him that's also good how are you feeling how are you feeling with their decision are you comfortable with it I think it was, I was in the same mindset. And, you know, I think if you go back and you listen to us before the draft and talking about where Debo's landing spot was, is, you know, it was a situation where we would love to keep Debo. I think our team is obviously best next year with Debo on it. Trey Lance Mm -hmm. has the best opportunity to succeed. It just, it makes our offense make sense. Um, Puts Brandon Ayuk out in his exposition. George Kittle can be used as a blocker, as a, as a, a receiver. And it just, you talked about, um, I was listening to a, a Niners podcast, and they talked about when you break a formation with Brandon IU, George Kittle, Eli Mitchell, Debo Samuel, and Kyle Juszczyk, there are so many different formations and different uh, personnel types that you mm-hmm. can throw out there on any given basis with those five guys in the huddle. So just the, the amount of of game planning and the amount of time you have to spend on defending every single wrinkle that the Niners offense can throw at you when they have all their guys in there. I I love Debo. Debo is so good for this team and we use him incredibly well. And I was hoping it would be a situation where, you know, they could smooth things over with the contract. I don't think he's worth $25 million, but um, is he worth 21, 22? Yeah, hundred percent. I think if we could shave off a couple of those, those, uh, you know, dollars on the back end, but, um, I also would have been really okay if, if the Jets would have came and, and, you know, sent a package of something around the 10th pick, one of their early seconds, yeah, and I, then future draft I think capital. that's what it was. I think it was a, a ten, I think it was a first and second from this year. I think another first as well. It wasn't so, so the, I, another report that you're talking about. And so it okay. wasn't, it was going to be a first this year, a second next year, and then like a fourth or fifth or something. There's also the a player. Right. I, th- there was a bunch of names thrown around. There was. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, let's be fair. There's like a thousand different reports on draft day alone with a thousand different packages. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, is there's noise around that where the Jets and the Niners, one million percent had talks about Debo Samuel. And mm-hmm. the fact that the, the Niners didn't budge off their asking prices points to me that I don't think it's an untenable situation with Debo Samuel. I think you can. Um, you know, Apparently Odell think, Beckham Jr. knows something that we don't. I know that was that, that was won't say anything. That was incredible. And, <laughs> and there was also a story about um, how someone spotted Debo in Vegas for the draft, and there was a uh, and there was he was in a club, and there was a sign that was this 49er sign. Oh, I saw. Yep. And get good next to it. So I mean, I I don't know. I, I you know, I, there's there's a a couple couple conflicting reports here where I don't know if Debo is just trying to. I don't to, know what's going on. I, I don't know if he's just, if he's just trying to be a, a really good agent and, and build a value for himself and say like, oh, I don't want to be here. But Odell really is, you know, he's telling all his boys in the back end, like, dude, I just want to go back to the Niners. It was so fun to be there. I just got to get my money, you know, things like that. But I don't know. It's it's going to be. And, and the, other wrinkle, <laughs> the other wrinkle is that A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel have the same agent. So, Everything oh. that AJ Brown and you know who else has the same agent is DK Metcalf. So <laughs> they all have the same agent. So you have an issue of you have competitors within their own, you know, you obviously have Debo's competing with AJ competing with DK to get mm-hmm. the highest paid salary for that draft class. They're all very, very similar players. Um, or not very similar players, but they're very similar situations within their teams. And I think they all feel the right and they feel like they deserve that 25 million dollar price tag no matter what the agent's making some money that agent, that oh. agent is reeling it in i will tell you that much i'm okay with where it ended up i think i was surprised though i think i bought into the hype that debo samuel was going to be traded i, I did so. too 100 i i really i really thought that it was, I mean, for Debo to come out and specifically request a trade, yeah, it, it seemed to me like it wasn't just, it, it wasn't just, hey, like, you know, contract dispute. It seemed like there was some actual issues going on mm-hmm. there. But, um, you know, maybe I'm just wishful thinking, but. Hey, Trey Lance has a weapon now. Trey Lance has, I mean, that offense is so I guess there's fun. still potential that Debo gets traded 
by the time the season starts. But I think if he was going to, it was going to be the draft. I can't, I really cannot see it unless, because the thing is though, is you're not, if you're the Niners, you are not trading him for 23 future picks. You're not no. trading him for 23 and 24 picks. You have the rookie quarterback on a rookie contract and you have an incredible team around him. You need to capitalize in the next two exactly. to three years. And Debo Samuel helps you do exactly that. Yeah, so first of all, I think that was one of the bigger surprises of the night. Another thing was, I guess, not necessarily a surprise that happened on the night. Um, I want to talk about this because a lot of people are, you know, Ryan Tannehill comes out on, on Tuesday um, and says in, in press conferencing uh, along the lines of, I will not be a mentor to Malik Willis. That it, or he, is, he said uh, specifically, that is my job is not to, or, uh, to mentor Malik Willis. And Alex... He's 100% right. There is nothing wrong with this statement. He is a starting quarterback, and he put – exactly. They're, he's Malik Wills' competition, and especially when you're a starting quarterback that is proven, that can win you playoff games, has the potential. I don't think he's the one that wins you a Super Bowl, but you can win the Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. He's a starting quarterback on at least 17 teams in the NFL. Draining Malik Willis isn't your responsibility. If Malik Willis is able to learn some things from you, then great, that's awesome. But he should not have to go out of his way to teach Malik Willis how to be a quarterback. That's not his job. His job is to win football games. And that's the the key, as you said it right there. It's you know Ryan Tannehill doesn't have to be a dick. He doesn't have to go out and actively try to to misinform him or give him the wrong direction exactly. but he also doesn't have to go out of his way to make sure that Malik Willis is set up for success for his you know for his future no, I don't think Brian Townsend is going to sabotage him by any means no. no no and that's not and that's not what he's saying and so I think this is you know it, it was it was important for Ryan Tannehill to come out and say this because mm-hmm. you have a lot of people coming out and you know people that are plugged into the NFL supporting him and and saying he's right this is not his job to go out there and and mentor Malik Willis. You, I mean, think about the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre relationship. Think about mm-hmm. the Jimmy G, um, Tom Brady relationship. There's a lot of situations where, um, you know, the young quarterback comes into the, the successful quarterback. And obviously we're not putting Ryan Tannehill on those other guys' pedestal, but Ryan Tannehill, he's a playoff quarterback. The, the Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year. He's got some success there. He's on a big contract. He's in the middle of his contract. Mm-hmm. He's not a, uh, He's not one of the quarterbacks that's, you know, I think if this was a Matt Ryan situation, it'd be a little different. You know, you got a guy. There is a situation with this with like, Matt, like you said, Matt Ryan's, I would probably put, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick in that situation, yep. Nick 100%. Foles for whatever he's worth. You know, there are quarterbacks around the league that could and should be mentors. But one pattern around those guys that you might name is they're on the downhill of their career. You're, they're not competing to be a legitimate B tier at worst starter in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill is right there. hundred percent. He's in the prime of his career. Prime, prime guys don't mentor guys, guys that are on their way out. Mentor guys. There is, I, and they they, they serve a great role. Ryan Tannehill is not serving that role. And I honestly think if, if we didn't have this preconceived notion that Malik Willis was a first round talent or had this crazy upside, if this was, um, you know, someone like, uh, I don't know, throw out any, any like backup quarterback. Like if this were a, a Bailey Zappi or uh, a Carson strong, I know he went undrafted, but a guy like that, where, you know, you, you get him in the third round because of, um, you know, because it's going to be a good backup quarterback for mm-hmm. the future. If this wasn't Malik Willis and a guy that had this, this height built around him, you wouldn't have a story come out and say, you know, you wouldn't have reporters going and ask Ryan Tannehill, do you think you're going to go mentor Malik Willis? No, he's a third round quarterback. Why would I ever do that? You know, it's, 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 it's not on Ryan Tannehill to go out of his way to go make sure Malik Willis is in a situation where he feels comfortable and feels successful. It is, however, his responsibility to be a great teammate to, you know, yes. answer questions when they're in the QB room. That's a very, you he's know, a team captain. Room. He's a starting quarterback. You, you bring up the guys around you. For if he helps Malik Willis, it's not because he's there to mentor him. It's because, like you said, Alex, he's just being what a team captain in a starting quarterback does. Yes. That's what they do. They make the guys around them better, not necessarily because he's doing for Malik Willis, but he's doing for everyone around him. 
That's how it should be. A hundred percent. And it's also, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill is probably looking back like, why am I getting asked these questions? How, you know, I, I was the number one seed in the AFC last year. I went to the play. I went to the, without uh, Derrick Henry. I, I went to the AFC, um, uh, championship game against the Chiefs the year before. Why am I in this position where I am getting questioned about having to mentor this new quarterback that just got Stupid. drafted in the third round? It's, it's a dumb and it's, question. It's, and especially after Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, I don't know the exact timeline of this, but he just recently came out and talked about his mental health struggles after that Bengals loss. I think he, the same press conference too. Yeah, and so he wore it on his shoulder. And so, you know, <laughs> I don't know. That's just just a tough, tough afternoon to start peppering him with questions like that. And Sports you know, media is stupid, but we've been knowing that for a little bit. He's just not that guy. He's, yeah. he's not the guy that you need to be asking these questions about. If this were Ben Roethlisberger last year and Malik Willis gets drafted to the Steelers, 100% different yes. question. But he's no, on his not way Ryan out. Tannehill. There's yeah. a theme. Ryan Tannehill is not part of that mold. Um, and then one of the last things we're going to talk about here is we're coming back to it. It's time to talk about the drama in the desert because DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for six games for popping positive for PEDs. And he put it on posts on social media is that he is going to get to the bottom of this, of whatever went wrong here. You, you might have to do, you, you take the finger and you, you, you point it at yourself here. Um, but I guess this one thing I will preface is saying that I, a majority of the players in the NFL cheat. They, they're doing something. And when necessarily they're cheating, but they're taking some sort of supplement that maybe it's not banned, but there's, there's people always trying to get a, a leg up on their competition with some sort of drug, some sort of you know, process. And, and so like none of this is new, but DeAndre Hopkins did pop for something that was outside of the allowable um, you know, stuff that the envelope gives you, uh, where, where there's probably a lot of that. So that's one thing. It's not like DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not getting mad at being the only guy that got cheating. Essentially, he's just the only one that got caught. Uh, it's one of those situations. But also, he kind of screws over his team. And he might even be screwing over his own value because I think Dan uh, Orlovsky, he, there is a lot of takes that are questionable from him. But he does bring up some interesting topics. And this is one I want to hone in on when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins. Is a possible trade to the Green Bay Packers because he made the point in a very justifiable point saying that Hollywood Brown got traded to the Cardinals because the um, Ravens weren't going to pay him. So now the Cardinals apparently are going to. Kyler Murray's going to get paid. Um, there's a couple other guys on that defense that might be getting paid soon. Are you going to pay? Are you going to afford those guys? Are you going to be able to afford Kyler Murray? Are you going to be able to afford Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins? The I answer, don't know. And the also, the, no. the other great point is that the Packers are going to make the playoffs essentially no matter what. And the NFC is not that great, especially when you have by far the best. Well, I guess with Tom Brady coming back, you can't say by far the best quarterback, but I would say they have the most talented quarterback in that conference. Um, they're going to make the playoffs. But DeAndre Hopkins does provide a big jump in the next level when it comes to playoff performance. And there's been so much... They're, all the talk around Green Bay is getting them a wide receiver. So, is there actually, you know, a little bit of fire to the smoke? You know, I, I think the first thing I'll say is, um, you know, such a, a crazy development in the story that DeAndre Hopkins has no idea how this positive PED test mm -hmm. came in. And um, he talks really? about how he takes a holistic approach to his body, how he's so mindful, but um, something clearly fell through the cracks here. So, you know, great, great defense by him. One that's uh, really it's lasted the believable. test of time. Yeah, almost believable. Almost like it's the first time we've heard that one before. But, you know, moving on to what this actually means for the Cardinals is it's not great, Bob. It's not it's not <laughs> a good situation there anymore. You know, we saw the uh, the, the Cardinals team that was 7-0 and coming out of week seven, and um, they were scorching hot coming into yep. the, the November, December time frame. And they fell off an absolute cliff. And a lot of that was because of DeAndre Hopkins not being in the mix. A lot of it was because their team overall is just kind of a softer team that is great in the summer and uh, fall months, but not great in the, uh, the winter months when it starts getting a little cold out there. But, um, you know, I, I think you can look at the fact that they brought in Marquise Brown. Um, they're going to pay him some money. 
DeAndre Hopkins next year, if he were to play week one, he would be 30 already when he started week one. So is that a guy that you can commit serious, serious money to in this age 32, 33, 34-year-old season? Um, you know, I, I think in their, in their eyes, keeping Kyler Murray happy, getting Marquise Brown in, um, offloading, uh, offloading Christian Kirk, and now you have this, this issue with, with DeAndre Hopkins. Does it make sense to trade him for the Cardinals? No. Is it a great time to trade him? No. Does he end up getting traded? Very, very possible. This is a team that we have seen make moves in the trade market. They brought in Zach Ertz last year. They obviously just traded for Marquise Brown, so they're not immune to making big, big moves in the mm -hmm. trade market. So um, I, I think this makes a ton of sense for the Packers. I think DeAndre Hopkins and DeAndre Hopkins is one of those receivers where if you put him with an Aaron Rodgers where back shoulder throws and a lot of these uh, precision timing routes are that's DeAndre Hopkins bread and butter and mm -hmm. seeing him, you know, I think he's one of the only receivers other than Devonte Adams, where you can go look and say as a pure wide receiver quarterback, independent offense, independent, he is one of the best, I would say him and Devonte Adams are the two best wide receivers, pure wide receivers in the NFL. And if you put, DeAndre Hopkins with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they're going to miss a beat with that offense. If you just replacing him with Devontae Adams, it, it makes so much sense for them, but that's why it probably won't happen. Yeah. It, it's weird because it seems like this isn't a trade that would happen, but if you, there's a lot of like things that would work out well with this trade. There's also, yeah. you know, the, the handful of things that won't, but it's really not that bad of an idea, especially not as bad as an idea that some of the Twitter replies um, are getting in terms of Dan's mentions. So I, there's, I, there's, there could be legs here. It makes the problem is though, is like every single time something has made sense for the Packers to do, whether it was last year, bring in, they don't do it. I don't, they don't, they no. don't ever do it. DeAndre so, Hopkins can be the piece that could win this Packers team a Super Bowl. And it's crazy, but it's crazy to say that when you had Devontae Adams yeah, on their Devontae team. Adams. But that's the thing is, I think DeAndre Hopkins is that level of receiver where if you put him with Aaron Rodgers, we have never seen. I mean, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams is the closest thing I think we'll ever see to um, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. And I think if you put Aaron Rodgers and DeAndre Hopkins, regardless of, of you know, obviously they would have loved to have five years of chemistry, but just that pure talent combo alone mm -hmm. is up there with some of the best duos ever. Dude, that would be ridiculous. What you guys think, though, is there fire um, to this uh, proverbial smoke coming out of Arizona, coming out of Dan uh, Orlovsky's mouth um, that as well? Um, luckily for him, he gives us good t content. Uh, he's wrong on a lot of stuff, but also some of the stuff he does kind of hit the nail on the head. So you got you got to take the good with the bad. That's what you do with most NFL pundits. Um, but the Content machine. Dude. There's nothing like that. Uh, and he definitely gives us a couple of talking points to go off. So I will never complain. Thank you, Dan. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it for us with our NFL draft breakdown. It was a great draft period. Um, had a lot of fun with it. And now we just get to go through the worst part about the offseason. And that's just waiting for anything to happen. So, Alex, uh, thank you as always. And your thoughts on the 2022 NFL draft in one word or phrase. Maybe there'll be quarterbacks next year. Maybe. 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 Maybe there will be, guys. We'll see you next week.